Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the official Pelicans podcast of HoopBall.com. We're providing in-flight insight for all the Pella fans out there. I'm your host, Nick Garisco, and I'm here, as always, with Pelicans expert Michael Pelache, who you can find on Twitter at Mike underscore Pelicans. I'm at Fantasy Law Guys. As always, feel free to engage with us on social media and check out HoopBall.com for all your NBA knowledge and fantasy basketball needs. Today's episode projects to be the greatest thing you've ever listened to and we're going to tip off with a look back at the Pels week. Uh, The Pelicans beat the Bulls 123-108 and then beat the New York Knicks 123-111. We were expected to win both of those games. We talked about wanting to win both those games and then we got pants by the Boston Celtics 105-140. And the week actually went as we expected, Michael. We, we beat the teams that we were supposed to beat, which isn't always the case as we learned th- this season. And we lost to the team that we expected to lose to. But the story of the week has to be none other than Jackson Hayes' emergence. Uh, he kind of broke out against the Bulls. I, should, I shouldn't say broke out because I'd say, I would say his breakout was against the Warriors back like a, couple, a month or two ago. But he was getting some playing time earlier in the year. But now he's really starting to kind of, it looks like he's kind of turning a corner, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that the one thing that stands out to me about Hayes right now is that Hayes is a lot more comfortable knowing what he's supposed to be doing on defense. Uh, So J.J. Redick a while ago had said one of the main reasons that our defense is getting better is because the picks on pick and roll coverages, the bigs are just dropping back now. And that is a lot easier for Jackson. It's actually a lot easier for our entire defense. Um, but I think it, it simplifies things for him to where, where he knows that all he has to do is contest the shots at the rim and then, you know, grab the rebound at the end of all that. And I think for him, that simplicity is probably helping him a good deal. And Derek favors went down. So it became more significant. And so Hayes was really able to step up there. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker actually stepped up in that Bulls game. We got great minutes off the bench from both of those players, uh, both of those rookies, I should say. So that was kind of um, a time where Pell's Twitter was pretty optimistic about the future. I know Zion's coming back soon, but, um, you, you know, you see a lot of people overreact after, after these games. And, and when Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, like, have a bad shooting out or don't really do anything uh, – you, you hear the overreactions, but here people were really optimistic after the Bulls game. Obviously, it was a team we should have beaten, but uh, Naw and Hayes looked pretty good. Yeah, what I want to see from Hayes, and, and I think this is sort of the final thing, because I, I think at this point it's pretty clear that Hayes is going to be a very good offensive player as long as his athleticism is there. Uh, one of the things that's really impressive to me about him is that he always finishes really well through contact at this point. 
and he's not i mean he's not a huge guy at all i mean and, and some of his issues really are the same thing where his his frame isn't quite what it needs to be uh against boston i thought that became very obvious against tice who was sort of just throwing him around canner is is much the same in terms of how he can just throw people wherever he wants to around the boards uh, that's all stuff that I mean I don't expect Hayes to be great at because he's he's young he's 19 years old and he's not he's not that uh he's just not what that will build right now his frame isn't filled out yet so I mean that's all okay but I, that is the one final thing that I really want to see from Hayes because I feel like the recognition's getting better he's certainly getting better at staying vertical and contesting shots and not fouling as much as he was before it's just really that final thing is defensive rebounding where he's still I mean honestly he's he's pretty bad at defensive rebounding for his position. And I think some of that will come with age and, and increased strength and stuff like that. But I think he's still got a, a ways to go in that area. Derek Favors got hurt with a right hamstring strain. And that kind of sounds worse than it is. And it could be bad, but he's already listed as questionable for Monday's game against the Detroit Pistons. It's in Detroit. I feel like Favors is going to sit out there because I feel like the the term, at least, or the injury, a right hamstring strain sounds more severe than a you know two or three day injury which is what it would be if he were to play uh, not to say that he would be totally healthy but it just seems more serious than actually being able to play Monday so I'm expecting him not to suit up for Monday especially because Dave, Derek Favors kind of been uh, they've been taking it slow with some of the injuries he had earlier in the season so I think that we're going to get uh, another spot start here for Jackson Hayes. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares against Andre Drummond. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, all these kinds of things are, are nice to see. And this is one of the things that you get when you get young player minutes. I mean, that, that, that matters. And I think you're seeing some of Jackson Hayes growth and it's directly tied to what he has done or hasn't done in other games this year. Like you're starting to see him sort of figure out where he needs to improve and where he doesn't. I mean, we already mentioned it, but the fouling, I think, in particular is where you see it because he gets so visibly frustrated when he uh, brings his arms down to contest a shot and gets called for a foul. I mean, he gets he gets pretty mad. I mean, it's, I'd say it's mostly at himself. I don't think he's doing anything in terms of, you know, I guess, what, what's the word for it? Badgering the referees for, you know, like they're, they're not calling things correctly. But No, it's just something um, that Gentry is obviously trying to, and other coaches on the team are obviously trying to work him, with him on. And so when he makes the mistake, he's more frustrated than if he were to make another rookie mistake because they're putting such emphasis on it. That's yeah, how I you're take seeing, it, at least. No, I think and it's all it's all fair. I mean, I, I'm glad that he is as passionate about playing as he is. I think he's got an awesome attitude from what I've seen on the court. And I think, yeah, you're, you're, he's learning from his mistakes, which is exactly what you want in your long-term pieces. You want them to learn, and they learn more quickly, typically, if, if you throw them out there and let them play. Uh, the the balancing act, of course, is that if they're so terrible <laughs> that they can't compete at all, then you might have someone who, if their confidence is more fragile than other players, I mean, you can have someone who really doesn't recover. I mean, that that does happen. Like players will get thrown out there too early, and they never really grow, and they they wind up losing their confidence. And I think that's sort of what they were avoiding with Naw to some extent. I think he would have been fine regardless, but I think. He was playing so poorly to start the season after we hyped him up this entire offseason. And I think taking a step back and, and sort of letting him play less, partially just because we have other players who deserve time, but I think also just because he, he's just not ready. And I think you're seeing, now that he's getting more minutes, you're seeing some of the 
the uh, the benefits of that. I think he's he's acclimating just as Hayes is. It's worth mentioning that during this stretch, even though it's only the Bulls and the Knicks that the Pelicans were able to get wins against, it's worth mentioning that uh, you know JJ Redick and Drew Holiday were out for for yeah. for that, and they are also questionable with their favors for Monday. Um, I'm not sure who's probably the most likely to, to suit up because J.J. Redick was – they were both listed as doubtful for Saturday before going into it. So, um, And then they were ruled out later that day. So it seems like Drew Holiday is inching closer to a return, but I'm not sure if it's going to come Monday against the Pistons. Uh, so the Pelicans have been shorthanded here, uh, but still you know, going 2-3, and three, beating the teams that you're supposed to beat – is potentially a recipe for maybe getting that eighth seed, which is now held by the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. And that's kind of been a change. Uh, For the longest period of time uh, this season, the Phoenix Suns had held that eighth spot, and then they kind of dropped off as many, many people predicted there. And now your San Antonio Spurs had had gotten to that coveted eighth seed, I guess. I shouldn't say it's coveted, but it's covered by many teams below them. Um, <laughs> it was coveted by us. Yeah, it is. And <laughs> yeah. the Spurs had had it for about a week or two. And this is the first time I've seen the, the Memphis Grizzlies there, and they're at 17-22. and 22. The Pels, of course, are 14-26. and 26. So they're three games back. Actually, three and a half games back. Um, so how do you feel about the Memphis Grizzlies? They're on a four-game win streak here. Are they going to be able to actually contend to keep this eighth seed? Or are we looking more towards the Spurs, the Trailblazers, the Suns, Timberwolves? There's a lot of teams right there, man. Yeah, I I mean, so the Timberwolves were a team that I didn't expect to drop as much as they did. I mean, obviously, I didn't expect Cat to be hurt, so that wasn't. But I mean, even before he got hurt, I think they were on a skid. Um, Phoenix, I expected to come back down because I just didn't see it. Um, yeah, it's Portland, like they, they have good know, players, yeah. though, Phoenix does. Like, I just want to say, you know, Oubre and Devin Booker and, you know, Aiton's okay. And I feel like they have, you know, McCall Bridges, pretty good player. I feel like they have uh, Rubio's pretty good player, too. They have good players on their team, but I don't know. They, they just can't really be trusted. You know, they, they really can't put it all together. It doesn't feel right, and that's yeah. like it's a weird thing. Like I, it's I think it's easy to get into your head and like go through all the different combinations of things and whatever. But I think there's a gut thing, and for me, that says that the the Spurs, Blazers, and Grizzlies are much more of a threat right now. But again, I don't know. I mean, so Memphis has that protection on their pick. So uh, what my thought was at the start of the year, looking at their roster, I I thought they would be actually like actively not tanking again, but like looking towards the future and trying to keep that pick. But I think maybe part of it is also this isn't a great draft year. So maybe they're thinking this is the year you want to give up that pick. And then all of a sudden you don't have to worry about it getting ripped from you in a, in a future year. Yeah. And beyond that. Yeah. Beyond that job, Moran just a, a really freaking good basketball player. I mean, I, it's kind of crazy how I, it's, it's weird to see really well-established NBA defenders at a loss for defending a rookie um he just got an awesome change of pace he's kind of like he reminds me a lot of chris paul sort of mixed with kyrie irving i think he's got a mastery of pace much like paul but i think he's got a lot of the uh sort of weird variety of things much like uh irving and he's just fun to watch he's crazy explosive too it's he's just an interesting player to watch i I love him honestly Yeah, memphis wasn't really doing anything until he was able to get back from that back injury that he had and now memphis is 
I mean, they're not, it's not like they're on a four game win streak. So I guess they are on definitely on a roll for Memphis, but they're still 17 and 22. I mean, they're still, you know, we can catch up with them for sure. But it's worth noting that even though the Pels are seven and three in their last 10 games and we're kind of on a little roll too, uh, it's worth noting that the Pelicans are still the 14th seed out of 15 in the Western Conference. But with that said, you know, we're 14 and 26. The Kings are 15 and 24. The Wolves are 15 and 23. The Suns are 15 and 23. The Trailblazers are 16 and 24. Spurs 16 and 21. And Grizzlies 17 and 22. Not to just bore everybody with everyone's records here, but it just kind of goes to show that all of these teams, that's how many teams did I just named? That's seven teams within three and a half games of each other for this eighth seed, which is crazy. And then the Warriors are obviously, you know, lower than that. Uh, not really in contention there. So it's kind of crazy right now what's going on in the Western Conference. And then the John Morant situation just kind of made me think like, oh, it's amazing what a you know high draft pick could do if they uh, the impact they could have. They're actually playing for your team there. So it kind of made me even more excited That's to get transition. Yeah, get Zion yeah. to get back. I'm excited for. I'm really excited for him to be back, and I don't know when that's going to be. At you know, some of the guys were speculating it would be on the 20th. Um, you know, they didn't want to bring him back against the Knicks. They were saying because of the spotlight and all that stuff. Although at this point, it kind of seems like no matter what we do, he's going to be in the spotlight because Sports Center is what it is. To be fair to Sports Center, they were doing the same thing with uh, when Joel Embiid went down. He has a torn ligament in his hand, I think, and. Like they had the same thing with his his uh his history of missed games over the course of his career, and he's in Philadelphia, so I, I at least you know they're equal opportunity about like complain. They're trying to move Giannis to a big market while the Bucks are one of the best teams in NBA, or basically one of the pays for one of the best seasons in NBA history. And they're talking about why Giannis needs to leave. I so, saw something about uh Steph Curry trying to recruit him. To yeah, State. and they just they love those story. Man, I it drives me crazy. It is a good but story, least... though. I think. I, I mean, I think but, it's but definitely it's so possible. Crazy. It's possible, but he they're thirty five and six. Yeah, I know. Man. It like, kind of diminishes they're like, what they're doing right now. It's ridiculous. Like if if they can do that, then I mean, I think it's all like it's the media sort of I guess tailoring its analysis to what he thinks people want, and I I think to some extent that's the truth because a lot of people just want the spicy rumors and all that stuff, but. I think it's sort of getting to a point now where the media coverage has swung, swung so far in that direction that it's turning people off. And I think that's part of the reason that the ratings are go, are actually down right now. Um, that's my theory. It's it's completely baseless in terms of what I have in An- like evidence. But Another yeah. reason we might want the eighth seed, well, besides a litany of reasons there, but, but one reason I really want it is because right now, who other than the Los Angeles Lakers are the top seed right now? And if we could have Zion back and then playing the Lakers with a little kind of rivalry that we've developed with them, uh, that would be a really fun series. Would they sweep us? Yeah, maybe, maybe 5-1. I mean, sorry, 4-1. But I still think it would be a really fun uh, series, and I think it would really uh, kind of boost the, not morale, but boost their the Pelicans standing with the rest of the city of New Orleans and be like, oh, okay, yeah, De- Pelicans made the playoffs, <laughs> Lakers, you know, this is big time, you know? Define, define fun for me. I, I think it'd be terrible. I'd be excited to make the playoffs. I am terrified of what we'd look like in a series against the Lakers. Yeah, they're pretty I think it would be so bad. They're pretty big. 
Oh, they're huge, man. Like they they start. I mean, between Howard and McGee, starting next to Davis, and then having LeBron. LeBron I mean, yeah, just exactly. A, and then then Danny Green's in the way. Like, they're just a huge team, and it's it's crazy how big they are. Yeah, they put um, so much emphasis on LeBron or AD's health, which is you know for AD is obviously very very risky, and I could see that being a a factor in the playoffs. That like if one of them goes down, you know, it's it's going to be tough for them because they just have those two guys pretty much, but. Gosh, oh, they're garbage without LeBron. Yeah, man. exactly. They're, they're terrible without LeBron, and they—they—that's the way the team's designed, and that's really—I mean, that's, I guess it's the risk you got to take. Because if you're not healthy, you're not winning a title anyway. So, yeah. you might as well go all in on your strategy with LeBron and AD. So, speaking of good teams, uh, what happened in that Boston Celtics game? One forty-one oh five. I would say it wasn't even like the score was a blowout, but I would say just watching yeah. it, it wasn't even. I don't. I think the Pelicans kind of made it a little closer than it seemed. <laughs> yeah, I. So I would say that I did expect. I didn't expect them to be beaten by forty or whatever yeah. it was. But I mean, I. I did think they were going to get thoroughly outplayed because they didn't have Drew. Um, they didn't have Redick. They didn't have Favors. So I mean, really, that little stretch of games, we didn't have a very tough schedule at that point. So like we played mediocre to poor teams recently, and now we're about to go on a really hard stretch. So some of this was sort of easy to anticipate. And then, you know, you miss your best shooter by a mile. I mean, one of the best shooters of all time. You're missing the guy who's glued you together defensively and on the boards for the last whatever, since I think it was December 13th is when Favors came back. And then you miss your your best two-way player in Drew. I mean, like, we're, it just seemed like it was set up. And I, I would say watching the game very clearly at the very beginning, you know, they are an incredibly versatile, versatile team. So they have Hayward, Tatum, and Brown are all about six foot eight. You know, that's the three wing positions. And they have Jan- Daniel Tice, who was sort of eating Jackson Hayes' lunch because he's so much stronger. And then they had uh, Kemba Walker. I mean, that's just a good team. And I think if anybody was designed to destroy us, it's a team with really versatile perimeter defenders. And, you know, on our end, I mean, we don't have that kind of switchability at all. I mean, they have three guys like Hayward and Brown and, and Tatum who can all attack you at 6'8", and they were posting up Brown early. He actually didn't have a great night. Tatum was just on fire from everywhere. Um I mean, they're just this outclassed us, honestly. And then when Marcus Smart came in, too, I mean, it just we were not equipped to play that team, and it it, it obviously showed. Yeah, Smart had a really good game. Uh, I, I think I think that uh, I think Jalen Brown just had an off shooting shooting night. And yeah. I think, but but Lonzo Ball played really well. I mean, he was kind of one of the few bright spots of the game i would say uh he almost actually had a triple double in that game i think he was two rebounds shy or two assists shy it was one of those two and um so he showed up uh and he, he you know he's still playing really well for the pelicans uh much better than he started at the beginning of the season he's kind of stepped it up since drew went out so i'm interested to see when drew comes back how that's going to really work I would say this about it. So I, I thought that was – I think he's still playing way better than he was. I don't think that was his best game, but I also think it illustrates exactly what his actual weaknesses are because um, I he had the assist, but I'd say for the most part he didn't really get where he needed to on offense. Um, I thought Ingram had a really poor game yeah. um, because of the increased attention on him and they have so many wing defenders they can throw at him. They're doubling down and digging in on his drives where like he was basically getting ripped – I mean, he had three or four turnovers early on, basically where he's just dribbling in the middle of the floor, and then someone reached in and stole it right out, right out of his hands. Um, I thought that was probably one of his weaker games this year. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to overanalyze it because I think they've been – you know, Frank Jackson actually had a really good game. 
Um, and that's sort of a new thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be down right. I'm just saying like, yeah, he didn't really play much at all. And he came out guns blazing. He was actually one of our best offensive players early on. If for no other reason than he was just canning open jumpers, but, um, he actually was getting to the rim some as well. And I think that's the problem is when you're missing drew in particular, that puts a lot of pressure on Ingram to get to the rim. Um, and then you lose favors rolling to the rim. Uh, you get Hayes, who's actually a better rim finisher, but isn't the playmaker on the move that that favors is. And I think it just all sort of falls apart because we don't have a lot of people to break down the defense. This week, the Pelicans also play some tough opponents. Uh, you know, we, we just had the Celtics, of course. And, yeah, we get the Pistons on Monday. That's great. And that's a game that probably nobody except for maybe you is going to watch considering the LSU Tigers are playing the uh, Clemson Tigers in the National you know, College Football Championship there. And I'm sure a lot of these uh, Pels fans are going to be watching LSU. But, uh, you know, Luke Kennard's likely out. Obviously, Blake Griffin's out for that game. The Pistons are only 14 and 26, uh, just like us, actually. So... That's definitely a winnable game, even though it's on the road. But after that, on Thursday, it's the Jazz at the Pelicans in the Smoothie King Center. Uh, 7 p.m. tip-off there. Uh, the Jazz are 26-12, and 12, and they're actually on a, a eight-game win streak. And we kind of get that rematch for a 128-126, that controversial loss we had last week where Brandon Ingram was uh, arguably fouled by Gobert in the uh, final seconds of the game. Uh, what's good about that is that the Jazz are 15 and three at home and uh, 11 and nine on the road, and they'll be at the Smoothie King Center here. And then right after that, on Saturday at 6 p. Oh, actually, it's not at 6 p.m. This is a matinee game. This is 2:30 p.m. on Saturday in New Orleans. Uh, we have to play the Clippers, and uh, Paul George may be out for that game, which is good. And the Clippers are only 10 and eight on the road, as opposed to 17 and three at home. But Again, that's Jazz and Clippers back, uh, you know, back to back pretty much, and you know that's tough. So in three, in a span of three out of four games, you had to see the Celtics, who are the two seed in the East. You had to see the Jazz, who are obviously a top contender in the West, and just a team nobody likes playing. And then you have to see the Los Angeles Clippers, who are arguably the second best team and second or third best team in basketball. So, uh, and arguably the best, I should say. So, yeah, it, it's a tough stretch for the Pelicans right now. But uh, but but what's your outlook on this? Oh, I mean, it's not rosy. I, I think it depends on if Drew's back. I mean, I think once Drew gets back, it'll stabilize a lot of things. There'll probably be some acclimation that needs to happen, um, you know, given the fact that he's missed a few games and, and Lonzo's obviously taken a, a, a higher usage role in his absence. Um, but I think if we get if we get one of. Now, I really want to say just Drew. I, I say if Drew comes back, we still at least win one of those three. I think we're beating the Pistons if we get one of those three guys back. And then I think the Jazz and the Clippers, I actually think we'll take one of those possibly be nice. with uh, Drew back. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're not, they're not like, both of those teams are, are way better. But yeah, like but we're at saying, home, so that's good. Yeah, it does. I mean, it does matter. It's, it's something that I think it was closer it used to be close to like 60% is the average home winning percentage. And now it was like 57 or 58, but I mean, that matters. I mean, that's a seven point swing and like you're getting that bet just by playing at home, which is, which is nice. No. And, yeah. All you have to do um, is look at their records, our home and away record. That's yeah. why I gave those splits. I mean, that it, it's pretty obvious that they, even the Clippers and jazz are just different teams uh, at home. 
So it's it's nice to play them while they're on the road. But yeah, we're going to yeah, we're going to struggle against the Clippers, I think. That's a team that I don't know. I there's just something about them that it, like just kind of makes me think that we are not equipped even to, if George, to beat that even team. if George is out. Um, I, you know, maybe it's me overweighting what I think Kawhi can do because I know who Kawhi is in the playoffs. Regular season's a different animal, so maybe I'm just like yeah, maybe he'll rest for that game. That'd, that'd be nice if we could get him uh, to take the night off. Well, maybe they're coming off a back-to-back or something like that, and he tends to rest on some of the on the second night of those. Uh, that would be nice. I mean, it's also a day game, like you're saying, yeah. so it's it's not as much time in between yeah. whatever their oh, well, previous that, game that is. That probably is means that it's not a back-to-back for them because I don't think the NBA would put. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I don't think the yeah. NBA would put them the night before and then say, "Hey, you got to play at two thirty at another look at another venue that you have to travel to." Yeah, um, but I I do think that we might bring so there's we talking about the twentieth for for Zion so that would put him right after that three game stretch. Yeah, so and that would be pretty not nice this week, this coming week, but the next week after that. Yeah, so yeah. Monday the twentieth. I mean, if it's I mean I look I'm not I, I'm guessing no, based I, on what other people are guessing. I think it's pretty yeah accurate. I mean, I'm watching him dunk on these uh on these videos on social media, and I'm watching him do these you know windmill dunks and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, you know, I know that it's different when you have to do multiple five-on-five five practices and everything like that. But he looks, just by his movements and warm-ups, he looks healthy. He looks explosive. I mean, I he also looks big. Not to be all ESPN on us, but, I mean, he does look... That's going to happen. He does look overweight. Yeah, I mean, I, but, like, they were even talking about his... I'm not... Again, that's not me uh, making some sort of... Uh, like crazy critique of him. He just needs to get in basketball shape and that's why they're not playing him. Uh, Ryan Aber online was saying that uh, like, you know, they're doing all these things. Why are they not playing him? Because if you're going to restrict his minutes, then why not just let him play? But less, I'm curious as to what your take is on that. So instead of him sitting out extra time because of conditioning, why not get him in game shape by letting him play in actual game? Just not as many minutes. Well, do we know for sure that? that it's, absolutely just because he's not in game shape or is it one of those things where the knee um the knee required a let's say 12 week recovery and now they're just doing doing a week week 14 i mean sorry now they're giving him 14 weeks just to be absolutely sure you know there's obviously a margin of error in all these timetables and even if you take the pessimistic point of view like i do and, and go to the back end of the timetable if the guy's your franchise key, then they might, it might be a thing where it's a little more than conditioning. They might be saying, we're going to erase any margin of error possible. I know this is an eight to 12 week injury. I know it's been 15 weeks since he got hurt. But, you know, in case it was a 14 week injury, we're going to be overly cautious, just like they said. Um, I'm not totally convinced that it's all conditioning, but if it is, and if he is really healthy, my, my take on it is, yes, they should be playing him on a minutes restriction right now in the game. I don't understand what just getting him in basketball shape in practice isn't going to help your team win. So to me, right. I'd rather him, even if he can only play six minutes of basketball at a time, then do it and have him play 24 minutes a night, you know, like six minutes a quarter or something like that uh, until yeah, he I, I would back even, in. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would do the six minute thing too, but I, I would keep it to 18 to start and then ramp it up after maybe a week or two of, of him playing games. Yeah, because what's like, going to happen yeah. is they're saying right now that, oh, yeah, we got to get him back into basketball shape and everything. But you know he's not going to come back and not be on a minutes right. restriction. Like, you know he obviously is. And then the immediate question is, oh, I thought we were playing him when he was in basketball shape, and now he's on a minutes restriction, so I guess he's not in basketball shape. And what are they going to say? Oh, we're just being overly cautious with the knee? I mean, it doesn't really make sense. To me, you either you either make sure that he's in basketball shape in practice, and then he comes in with no minutes restriction whatsoever, like he's totally a full go, as if the injury never happened, and he's playing, I don't know, how, what was your projection for minutes on Zion, like 31 minutes? Before the season? Yeah, before the yeah, season. Yeah, like I mean, between minutes. 31 and 34, yeah. yeah so I he mean, comes in with 31 reasonable. minutes, in, you know, or, or you say, hey, he's not yet in basketball shape, he is healthy from the knee, so we're going to put him on a minutes restriction. I don't want them to do this in-between thing where they say, oh, he is fully healthy from the knee, but he's got to get into basketball shape, then they play him, and oh, what do you know? He's still in a minutes restriction because he's not in basketball shape. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Well, okay, here, okay, I'm gonna disagree actually. Okay, go I ahead. was gonna agree with you, and I changed my mind. Okay, so, <laughs> well, that's I think might that, be what they're going through right now. They might not be able to make well, a decision either. I think that you're right that they're probably masking that it's just conditioning. I don't think that's the case, but at the same time, like it's not. It's actually very common to bring people back under their typical minutes workload. So I, I don't yes. think that's indicative of the fact that he's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I no, think that's is. the difference. Look but, at the Brooklyn but, Nets right now with uh, Karis LeVert, who came back from, uh, I think I think it was a thumb injury. And he's on a minutes restriction because of his thumb injury which which doesn't make any sense what's He's got an overweight yeah thumb. I, I don't know i don't know why that's happening and then the coach said something about oh it's not related to his conditioning so he so you're telling me that he comes back and for three games that he's back he is all three games he's been on a minutes restriction because of his thumb injury so somebody needs to explain that to me but yeah i know what you're saying they almost always come back regardless of what the injury is apparently with some kind of minutes restriction at first yeah, because I don't think you can simulate full game activity outside of just a vigorous practice, and you're not running game style practices when with everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so I, because I think there's it, too many games in the NBA that are too yeah. not not far enough spread apart. So how? Can, oh, there's no doubt about yeah, that. I mean, how yeah. can you run full court five on five practices at game speed? Like on a Monday when you play either on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you know what I'm saying? Like you're just tiring yeah. out your players if you're going to do that. Right. So I, I think they're, I mean, and again, I, I, I think we're both on the same page here, like frustrated that he's not back yet, but at the same time of the opinion that they should be overly cautious with him. So I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset about anything in terms of the way they handled it. I, you know, I wrote that critique or whatever, but it wasn't about them handling it wrong was just saying look they're not going to be fully transparent which i don't think that they have been and that's not that's common with like i'm actually so ever since that conversation that we had a very long time ago where you're talking about how much of an injury pessimist you were uh i've actually taken that into consideration and I, i'm seeing how much um that's true like it's with everybody it's not just with the pelicans like it's crazy you're, you're absolutely right like it's it's way more like this with other sports. teams yeah. yeah this is just well this is just how they're doing it and I, i'm glad you pointed it out because i had never it's, thought of it that it's way it's just one yeah. of those things where now at this at this day and age 
I think. And I think you'll even notice it even more as you go. Like, it's not going to be one of those things like, you know how sometimes in life somebody will like tell you something that you've never heard of before, but you should know. And then right after you hear it, you either see it all the time and you're like, gosh, how did I never catch on to that? This is not going to be one of those things because this is going to be one of those things where, you know, it's not just a coincidence. Like this is going to keep happening, you know, and but here's the other thing. To me, it's like a big surprise. To me, the surprise is when somebody beats their timetable. Because I'm, I'm not saying it never happens. It happens. Um, I think, but you uh, shouldn't expect it. Yeah, no. I think uh, somebody, somebody on my fantasy basketball team beat their timetable, and I was like stunned about it. They beat it by like three weeks. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Kevin Horder for the Hawks. He had some kind of injury. That's bizarre. And he 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 was supposed to be out for. Like, I think it was, you know, without a timetable to return at first, which to me, you know, that's like, okay, he's probably out for the year. Uh, no, but <laughs> to me, it's like, okay, without a timetable. And then they said, okay, it's going to be a four to six injury. So I'm like, obviously, okay, I'm thinking six to seven weeks, like I do. And he came back in two or three weeks. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I think one of the guys in our league, I forgot who, ended up cutting him because of that initial timetable return. And then, you know, I was able to scoop him up just because, honestly, it was just shocking that he came back so soon. And I was surprised, too. But, uh, yeah, at this point, it's just a surprise when they come back early. Yeah, and he also was playing for a team that's not good. So it's not like there was any rush for him to get back yeah, that's in true. a reasonable time frame. So that makes it even more bizarre. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm, I've converted to your your cause it, it, they're all all these teams are handling crazy so let's but. let's go into a little off tangent but but also kind of on point how we've never talked about this on air how do you feel about one of the big things going on right now in the nba is kind of the controversy of rest right like like the spurs were a team two years ago that really kind of uh, maybe not opened up the conversation but kind of made people engage in the debate on the big media shows and everything like that, where they started really taking their rest really seriously because they knew they were going to make the playoffs. And they started, you know, people were getting upset because the fans were getting upset, first of all, because the Spurs weren't revealing it, obviously, until game time. And then the fans who were buying tickets to these games, especially season ticket holders who have no choice at that point, we're missing guys like Kawhi or whatever. And I want to get your take on how you feel. Do you feel the current rest situation in the NBA needs to be addressed by the commissioner? Or do you feel that just teams have total you know, autonomy to do whatever they want? Because um, I know they also made rules about, we had talked about Anthony Davis last year about, you know, when he was quote unquote resting and then had to list him his stuff and, there was a potential lawsuit involved uh, with the NBA, so there's all, there's all kind of controversy surrounding it. How do you feel about the, you know, where the rest issue stands in the NBA? Okay, so let's pretend for a second it's not a business. So in that case, it makes it very easy. You just rest everybody as needed, right? Like yes. in that play, in that place, it's entirely driven by winning a championship. Health. Yes. Yeah, and it's a player's league, right? Like the players are the one who are – they're the product. Like they're the entertainment. They're the ones who are driving people to the stadiums, not the fact that owners own a business. No, no. I mean the players are the entertainment. So I think I think that's really important to consider. So you can't say owners with that in anymore, mind, by the way. 
Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they, they changed. They changed. I don't know the exact word. What did they change? Did they game? really? Yeah, they changed. They um, not David. I didn't Stern. know that. Re- uh, by the way, rest in peace, David. Silver. Stern. Um, uh, yeah, I know. Silver. I was saying Adam Silver. Uh, yeah, he made it so. Uh, but I forgot the terminology that he wanted everyone to use. They, but they made it a uh, a thing though. They. I remember the conversation because it was like about like ownership. And, no, he did something racial, about it. Yeah. They, they're not. They're not I didn't allowed to say it now. It's um. Okay. Oh, God, I think it's directors. I'll have, to, okay, I'll have so, to look it up while you're talking, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the directors, right? So with that in mind, the players are the entertainment. So in that way, they should be the ones who are given the the ability to rest themselves as needed. And obviously that impacts the long-term winning for their team. So I think that's that's very clear. But the balance is that you know the revenue is, is split. And that's that when you see lockouts and stuff, typically one of the main things is the revenue split and how much is going to the directors and how much is going to the players. But every dollar that comes in is being split. So that means that, you know, if these players are going to be resting during games, then it is going to affect the bottom line of the businesses. And that's going to in turn hurt some of the players. I think the problem is that, and this is just me speaking off the cuff. I think it's that, you know, the the stars are the ones who are resting and I don't think they're the ones whose paychecks are getting hit as much as the other players that play alongside them. So I, I would say that that's, that's my argument, but where I stand on it personally, that's me evaluating it. I think they should be rested regardless. I think the same way, because people are upset because they're paying for a product, right? But we're talking about people, players who are not always healthy, who have things in their lives, like in the same way that, you know, if you had a consulting firm, you might have to step away at certain points. I mean, so in my opinion, if you buy a ticket, you are taking a chance. It's speculative that those players will be playing that night. I'm both 100% for reasons that are controllable you. or non-controllable. I'm 100% yeah. with you on the not having sympathy towards the fan aspect of it. I think that I agree. I think that their goal is to win a championship and if they feel that rest is going to help their players get healthy enough to win a championship even if they have to sacrifice some regular season games then that's their that's their decision. That's the team's decision, that's the coach's decision and you know, too bad. So sad. I mean, Stop that's crying about it. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's like, I understand, game. but I understand. Okay. I mean, cause you'll hear like Billy wanted to go see with his dad. He wanted to go see the Bron James player or whatever, but okay. Well, Billy, this is, this is life. Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes <laughs> things don't go exactly as you planned. I mean, like, well, I, I don't I know always, what else to say. I, I mean, always like to see the bigger like picture, like, like, you know how I am. Like, you know, I'm not gonna like win a ref, you know, has a blown call that blows the game. You know, there's obviously, there's so many more plays in that game that could have happened to where it didn't come down to that. And to me, I like to, you know, call out the bigger picture here. I don't think Billy, who's sad about missing LeBron, should be blaming LeBron's coach or whoever decided, or LeBron. Or LeBron. Or LeBron. Right. I think you look to the bigger picture here, and the bigger picture is, why are we playing 82 games in a season, you know, two or three nights apart? And why are we doing all these back-to-backs? And I know NBA has tried to address some of the back-to-backs to try to combat some of this resting because players or coaches are getting smarter. And that and that's what it is. It's not that this resting is like a new fad just for the, the hell of it. It's not just for fun, like to screw over fans. People are getting smarter with science and people are getting smarter with health. And that's all it is. So now the NBA has to combat it. They have to get smarter with their scheduling. I mean, if you ask me, the big picture of this is, you know, 
change the conversation from how to fix resting. Like, don't be penalizing teams and forcing them to give you a reason that the player sits out so they just fake, you know, uh, you know, oh, uh, hangnail on my pinky, you know, you know, I, I'm out, you know, or whatever. You know, the Bulls are notorious for just listing all these people as probable for the most ridiculous, you know, like inner inner thigh bruise or something like that. And it's just like, you know, what is that? And but my point is this, don't, you know, blame the people that you can kind of just see firsthand, the coaches and players. Look bigger picture and ask yourself, hey, you know, what can we do about this NBA schedule to where maybe it doesn't happen as often? And I think the answer is you make this like a 66-game season. And the only reason I say 66 isn't because just because that's a number that I, you know, randomly thought of. It's one that comes up commonly when you kind of look for, you know, if you do a quick Google search on what the NBA should do in terms of reducing the regular season, there's all kind of results. 66 is a, is a popular number there. And I know it's got to be some kind of formula about how who how many teams you're playing, et cetera, et cetera, in your conference, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, make it in the 60s, but have the same amount of space like as your like your season lasts the same amount as the NBA season does now. Now all of a sudden instead of your games being 2 days apart or even back to backs, they're 3 and 4 days apart. So now well, there's less reason for okay. rest. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. My, my argument against that though is I mean I think I think the basically right now the, the we're having the players and the teams are kind of having their cake and eating it too because they're keeping the revenue from an 82 game season but getting the rest privileges, like you're saying, yeah. of a smaller season. So I don't I don't see it as a problem other than the perception. But I think, I mean, I, what are you going to do? Go across all of America and, and speak the word of, you know, why we shouldn't be well, upset no, with Well, no, put players. yourself like, it's, in it's a, Adam Silver's shoes. Ignore rest. Like, do you want, right. like, let's let's act like we never had this rest conversation. If I asked you, hey, Michael Pelletier, uh, would you be in favor of reducing the NBA season? No. Really? No, no. What? No. Okay. So this is no. But I'm not talking about it from my perspective. I'm talking about it from Adam Silver's perspective, where everybody's okay. check is determined by the 82 game season. So until they find a place to replace that revenue, which they're talking about in season tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I, it's not. Yeah. I mean, straight up, it's it's about money, and that's that's the problem. Is that like if this were not about money, it would be a very clear answer. But this is about money, and no one, the players or the directors, no one wants to lose that extra revenue from the extra games. And that's, I mean... Yeah. I mean, you, you can know, make an argument that, that maybe a, a fewer games in a season could produce more money because they would mean more. But, yeah, I think they're at 82 maybe. for a reason. No, yeah, I, I, I think imagine. that's a stretch. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a stretch. Yeah. I just feel like the product would be better but you're right in the sense to say yes it is about money that's why they're not doing it i think most would agree that the product would be better if it was yes in the 60s because i think it forces players to care more uh because the games matter more obviously and it also it would probably prevent some of these rest scenarios if you lengthen the season but i think if i were adam silver and i cared about money which he does of course but if i were adam silver the first thing i would do and I know it would take it would be tough to implement this on the first season, but the first thing I would do is I would say, "Hey, you know how football ends in um, you know January, February? Let's start our season in January, February. 
Like, why are we competing with football? Why are we doing that? Like, there's so many cities that, you know, football's obviously the number one sport in America. Why is the NBA, for half their season, competing with the most popular sport? Like, I mean, the Pelicans are honestly a perfect example. Do you, can you imagine how much money the Pelicans would act, how many more people would go to the Pelicans games if they started after the Saints season? Like, I don't know. I think I mean, I, it's a big I think deal. it's more. I just, it's a question of how much more. And then maybe, I don't know. I mean, where, when do you start that? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you cut yeah, off a season that's and the, then that's shift That's the everything. hardest part is actually and then the you first have season is toughest. But when you get the routine, how would that not be good for the NBA? Somebody has to explain that to me, how it wouldn't be good for the NBA for them to start <laughs> like after football. But somebody, I saw a tweet the other day that is kind of springing this convo here or that take, you know, it wasn't about football though. It was, it was about how good the Christmas um, NBA games were, you know, because that's kind of unique to the NBA. Uh, the NFL usually, not, not always, but typically will steer away from either Christmas or Christmas Eve. And the NBA really has no problem about that. And I think it'd be beautiful to start the NBA season like in Christmas, like why are we starting in October, which is like the heat of the NFL season? Well, you know, but the league know. was the league was formed way before the NFL was yeah. what it is today. You know what I'm saying? So that's not. Well, and you're I think an it's adjustment. a carryover. I think it's a carryover. I mean, that I'm not disagreeing that it's a possibility. I mean, I think that I think it'd be hard to get it off, but I think I do agree that it would be better. But you see it for, in other sports, though. Like, think about how football is structured, Michael. Like, you see, high school is always win Friday night. It's college football always Saturday. NFL is always Sunday. It didn't just work out like that. College football got smart and said, "Hey, we're not going to put our games on Sunday because we're not going to compete with the NFL." And the NFL said, "Hey, look, we're not going to compete with college football. We want a whole day to ourselves. We're going to make it Sunday." And then college football right now, they could easily have their this national championship, Clemson versus LSU, on a Saturday or Sunday. Why would we do it on a Monday night? Oh, I know why. Because there's no more Monday night football right now, and the Packers are playing the Seahawks right now on prime time in a playoff NFL game. So no, we're not going to do it Saturday. No, we're not going to do it Sunday. We're going to do it on Monday when the NFL is not there. So these other sports are kind of, uh, even though it's the same sport, I say it's just says these other leagues are adjusting. And I think the first thing I would do if I were commissioner of the NBA is I want a whole season, you know, kind of months to myself because – because I also forgot about baseball. You just hate baseball. No. So I was yeah. actually just about to say, you actually took the words right out of my mouth. Like, think about how many sports fans, and it's no offense to baseball, but think about how many sports fans, like, just come, whether you're a casual sports fan or even if you're, like, a, a really serious one, like, who just loves all sports. Obviously, I'll put it on air. I don't like baseball that much. But think about how many people are so bored in the summer. They say the summer is the worst time for sports. Why wouldn't you have like the NBA championships ending in like, you know, late July, right before football starts? Then your whole summer is devoted to NBA basketball because you don't have March Madness. You don't have, all you have is baseball, freaking baseball. That's like nothing. Baseball is a dying breed. No offense to anyone who likes baseball, but it just is. Like, if you're only so competing. So football. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I'm being honest. I, I mean, I football is obviously make it more money. It will be though. I mean, eventually. that's like the because we were talking. Okay, so like I think your points are all well taken, but at the same time, the NBA is also a substantially better run league 
than the NFL. So like the gains that you're talking about are on top of all the other positive decisions they've always or they've already made. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, yeah, I would you're take Adam Silver over Goodell, but I do think the NFL still sucking makes a lot more than the NBA, and I think it's sucking a lot of the potential revenue that they could have from the NBA if they all they would have to do is just move the season back two months. And I think you're. I, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be but, awesome if. Just for me personally, honestly, I would really enjoy just having a whole. Uh, now it goes back season. to it. Now I know why. Yeah, <laughs> I would really enjoy having. Uh, I, I honestly, and I'm not just being biased here. I think the Pelicans are the perfect example, though. I think of that if the NBA did move the season after the Saints, uh, you would have people like me who would just be all football for a couple months and then all basketball for the rest of the month. You know, and it'd be a clear cut line, and I think it would drive more revenue to the. Pelican and more fan support to the Pelicans, of course, uh, because I'm they a, wouldn't be distracted by other teams. I'm going to draft my letter to Gail and uh, Adam Silver tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, on your behalf. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I got a bunch of other ideas too, but I'm, I would start with <laughs> I would start with that one, uh, just yeah. because I, I I just think that's a good idea there. But I do hope that you know, getting back to the Pels here, I do hope that you know it kind of. Things are kind of working out in a way that we didn't think they would like three weeks ago in terms of how we're going to get butts in the seats, like how we're going to get fan support. You know, if you would have told me that the Pelicans were going to be 14 and 26 after 38 games, I mean, sorry, 40 games, so almost half the season, if you would have told me that, and if you would have told yourself that going into the season, we would have said, okay, you know, time to start rebuilding, right? But yeah. we're actually in the run for the AC just with a bunch of other teams. And now we have Zion coming back soon and hopefully Drew coming back soon. And now the Saints, you know, had another devastating loss in the playoffs. So now we are kind of in a situation where I'm talking about where it's time for the city of New Orleans. You know, I'll call them out here. I should say after LSU hopefully wins. Now it's officially time, you know, after people hopefully celebrate the Tigers win, it's time to move on to Pelicans basketball and really kind of hone in and focus on that. And now's a good time. I mean, we're in a better position, not than we expected going into the season, but had you told us that we were going to be 14 to 26, we're in a way better position than, you know, you would think. I agree. Yeah. Um, so... Let's see. Let's talk about the before we sign off. Yeah, we already talked about the uh, the week ahead. Really, we got the Pistons, we got the um, we got the Jazz, and we got the Clippers. So hopefully, we can get two out of three there. Um, I mean, Michael, do you have any shout outs before we leave the show here? I was trying to think. I knew you were going to ask me, and I still was trying to think of something positive. All right, here I got. I got a. I got a shout out. This is go ahead. Extraordinarily stupid. No one cares. But um, so uh, I have some friends that just got a dog, and it's a really cute dog. How's that? Is that is that positive? That, that's it. It's a cute dog, man. Oh, you know what? This is even better. It's the same couple. So the wife is actually going to box. Um, so she does like boxing just at, for fun or whatever. Okay. And, uh, she's got a fight it. coming up. Yeah. Ooh, she's got a she fight, got a coming, fight up. coming up. Wow. She's got a real fight coming up. Okay. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like, I, I have a friend who you, boxes. Are you going to go see it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't miss that. She definitely sounds pretty badass. Definitely sounds like somebody I wouldn't want to meet in an alley. I, I wouldn't want to, I, I don't want to mess with her either. <laughs> yeah. I don't, anybody who knows how to box, I'm not trying, yeah, to, no, I'm not trying def- to pick a fight. Absolutely for, so. not. And it's actually, it's so weird to think about how like 
Um, you know, you never know. Not that I'm trying to like pick fights on the street with anybody, but it's so weird now with all like the training that goes on because anyone can take a kickboxing class or be like an avid kickboxer or regular boxer or MMA fighter or whatever. And a lot of these MMA fighters, you even look at them like, uh, you look at them on Sports Center and stuff, and yeah, they got abs and stuff, but like a lot of these heavyweight guys just look like normally kind of strong guys, and you just have no idea, you know, what you could be getting into. I shouldn't say you or me because we're not picking fights with anybody, but it just makes me think about all these people like, you know, in college, you know, you're going to Reggie's and you were going to Fred's and all these, uh, Tigerland, I should say, and you would see people getting fights. And what scares me the most about it is that you never know if these people have a weapon on them. You never know if they're literally like an amazing boxer and just could knock you out cold. Like just because somebody looks small or whatever, you just have no idea nowadays like what their type of training is. And that's the kind of thing I think about whenever you tell me something like, oh, this female has a fight. And it's like, you know, she could probably kick, you know, so many of our, you know, our asses, so many of my friends' asses. Like, it's just, it's just funny to think about. My shout out has to be, you know, obviously go Tigers tomorrow. You got the national championship, uh, Clemson Tigers versus LSU Tigers. I got to call out the idea that, you know, not only are they the Tigers, which we're the Tigers too, so that's annoying, but they also call their stadium Death Valley, which is another you know, LSU always calls their stadium Death Valley, which I hate. So that I just kind of, you know, that kind of makes me want to beat them even more. But yeah, I'm just really excited for the game. I'm actually going to try to come in for the game. Uh, for those of you listening who don't know, Michael lives in New Orleans. I live in uh, a place called Woodworth, Louisiana, which is three hours away from New Orleans. And I am an attorney by trade and I actually have court tomorrow, but it's just proving up a simple divorce. And hopefully I can get out of there in time to try to make make the trip down uh, and make it in time. But you never really know with these things. So I'm going to be praying pretty much the whole time that they call our name first and that I can get my case over with so I can go ahead and drive in for the game. And uh, if you want to give a shout out to uh, me and Michael, we probably will be at um, at uh, Uncle, Earl, Uncle Earl's is hosting a an event at the Civic Center, and it's $60 for, uh, it says $60 for all-inclusive drinks and food, although the lawyer in me thinks there has to be some kind of catch there just because I can't imagine that it's all you can drink, all you can eat. But anyway, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be awesome, and, you know, go Tigers. Go Tigers. All right, that will have to do it for episode 16 of the Pelicans podcast on Brought to you by HoopBall.com. As a reminder, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe to this podcast and give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever your podcast provider is. You can also follow us on social media. Again, at Mike underscore Pelicans. I'm at Fantasy Law Guy. Check out HoopBall.com. Thanks for listening, Pella fans. See you next week. And go Tigers. This has been a hoop ball presentation.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.